Today's episode is sponsored by the American Chemistry Council. Chemistry creates, America competes. I was a governor for eight years, and during that time, you know, we lost 47 members of our National Guard and didn't come back. And now, in this job, we have forest, we have firefighters who put themselves at risk. One of the things I do for my job is I cover USDA as an agency, which means that I've been doing my best to follow Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack just about everywhere that he goes. I mean, I talked to this amazing woman, widow, who's lost her husband. And I noticed a couple times that he would share the same story. Where she wanted to make sense of her husband's death. And the story is about Michelle Hart, this widow who lost her husband last year while he was fighting a wildfire in New Mexico. And the way she could make sense of it was to say, Mr. Secretary, you realize the circumstances under which you guys have these firefighters operate? And I said, what do you mean? Talking to him about the conditions in which her husband and other federal wildfire fighters live in. And for some of them who are temporary folks, there's no, there's no Holiday Inn that they get to stay in. I said, well, where, where do they stay? Said, well, they stay in their cars. Now think about that. Think about that. <laughs> and then we pay these guys $13 an hour. And Vilsack, who had been agriculture commissioner under the Obama years, even says himself he had no idea. He didn't know that his own employees were living this way. I'm Annie Reese. This is Politico Dispatch. Today, my name is Jimena Bustillo, and I am an agriculture reporter and the author of Morning Agriculture. Jimena Bustillo on the U.S. Forest Service's firefighter crisis and the risks of entering wildfire season with a manpower shortage. As we all know, fire seasons have basically become fire years, and it has basically been an all-hands-on-deck situation between federal wildland firefighters, private crews, and state agencies to be able to contain and suppress all of these fires to make sure that communities are safe. Now, the Biden administration has been very proactive with their climate change agenda, and a part of that has been suppressing and preventing more catastrophic wildfires, particularly in the western region of the United States. But the big problem that we are seeing is not necessarily with the plan itself, but rather who is going to be on the ground physically executing this plan, physically restoring the land, physically preventing wildfires from occurring, managing the forest, working the ground, like that is physical labor that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that's kind of an unknown is because the Forest Service, which is the number one caretaker of, at the very least, federal land, is severely understaffed. And they have been for a very long time. And I think I say this every time we talk about agriculture labor in any capacity is these problems are not new. But because of the pandemic, because more people are recognizing just their own worth and what they deserve as workers, they're demanding more. They're demanding higher pay. They're demanding a place to live, um, better benefits, um, mental health benefits that 
the agency currently right now does not and in part cannot offer. And so that's what we're seeing right now is who is going to be doing this labor? Is it going to be a bigger reliance on state and private entities? Well, that can't always necessarily happen. So Mm -hmm. those are kind of the big questions. Yeah, I mean, you got your hands on an email from the Forest Service officials where they warned there have been like 50% fewer applications for their main firefighting positions this year. So in addition to pay, because I know that one of the state agencies in California pays $50,000 a year, which Mm -hmm. currently the Forest Service can't match. So in addition to pay, what are some of the reasons that they're seeing so many fewer applicants? I mean, they can't fill all their roles, right? Right. No, many, many posts across the country, not just in California, you're seeing this in other states like Colorado as well. Hiring managers cannot hire for all the vacancies. And this was a problem last year as well. Again, it's it's not new, but it's just getting worse as there's more work to be done. Mm. Um, the reason that we're seeing that, for example, is housing. Housing is a big problem with forest service workers, not just affordability, but availability as well. And so I had many hiring managers or folks that are involved in some capacity with hiring or have been involved with hiring say that housing is one of the number one questions that is always asked when they extend an offer or when they're interviewing prospective employees. Like, will you provide housing or will you provide a housing stipend for me to live in these remote Honestly, very expensive areas. A lot of areas in the West, even if they are remote, they're very expensive to live in. Um, And some of these folks are making $15, maybe $18 an hour. And that is not enough to keep up with the housing market. That's not enough to be competitive against agencies that are paying a $50,000 salary. So you'll have folks living out of their cars or living in really cheap, decrepit, run-down housing which, you know, some folks like that, you know, like some folks do want to, you know, drive up with their friends, do this for a summer. Usually they're a lot younger. They're 18 or 20 year old year olds fresh out of college or even fresh out of high school. Mm. And, you know, that is a lot of fun for someone that is younger. But for someone that has a family, for someone that has kids, literally, where will they live? What are some of the consequences here for not having enough firefighters for the Forest Service? I mean, Some feel obvious. It doesn't sound good. But could you dig into some of those? Yeah, the consequences are that your resources are completely stretched thin throughout the country. I think last summer, a lot of us probably remember seeing that fire season started in the northern Rockies way earlier than it normally had. And so you had fires in Florida, you had fires in the Southwest, down Arizona, New Mexico, and then you also had Montana and Idaho and Washington, all with massive wildfires. And each state is going to have its own crew to fight the fires in their state. And the beauty of the Forest Service is they're supposed to be flexible because a fire does not care about state lines. It's just it's going to blow through private land. It's going to blow through public land, through state lines, through country borders. And so the Forest Service is supposed to be able to be flexible, to kind of go wherever and also be the first line of defense for all that federal land at the same time. And so if you don't have that flexible workforce, you end up with incredibly stretched thin, just physically across the country, 
labor force to put these fires down. That threatens land, that threatens climate, that threatens people's homes, that threatens communities. And then the recovery efforts. How do you rehabilitate a forest? How do you make sure that the area is taken care of after the fire has already rolled through? Yeah. So what are some solutions? Congress is weighing a standalone Forest Service bill, right? What would that do? Yes. Congress is actually weighing a couple. I focused on one. It's called Tim's Act, which is named after a wildland firefighter who passed away last year while fighting in the line of duty in on fire in New Mexico. His wife, Michelle Hart, is one of the strongest advocates on this front, on this issue. And she's mm-hmm. met with Vilsack and they both really connected on the issue. And she found me on Twitter and we were able to connect and I was able to interview her about it. The bill would basically increase firefighter pay to $20 an hour and it would provide additional benefits like mental health benefits, housing stipends, um, all sorts of other things that many wildland firefighter advocates say are missing right now from the job in order to make it a more sustainable career. There are also a couple other bills, including one that's going to be marked up in the House Education and Labor Committee on Wednesday. So that's there's a lot happening this week in terms of firefighters and forest service. That markup is for another similar bill that would tackle some of these issues. So there's definitely some interest in Congress to address these issues. There's another hearing in House Oversight today that is also focusing on these issues. So interestingly enough, like right after my story published, a lot of people scheduled these events. I do think that's unrelated, (laughs) but it's just nice timing that everybody's talking about this at the same time. But again, it's a matter of how do you get these things to pass? Standalone legislation almost never goes through by itself. So what are avenues in the farm bill or in the next omnibus spending bill or even um, the National Defense Authorization Act that, you know, could be pockets for some of these things to get through? USDA needs more money. That's at the end of the day what it comes down to. And the only one that can provide more money more resources and more authorization is Congress. So right now, USDA is going through a process of increasing that pay, but also changing the federal GS scale for firefighters that could affect, you know, how high or how low folks are paid. But they were not able to do that until the infrastructure bill passed. And so... USDA can want to address these problems, and they know that these problems exist. They're very upfront about it. They're very realistic about the fact that they cannot retain workers because at the very least, they do not pay them enough. But they need the money to be able to do that, and that comes from Congress. Jimena Bustillo, thank you so much for talking with me. Thank you for having me. Also in the news, Britain's top court on Monday refused WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange permission to appeal against a decision to extradite him to the United States to face spying charges. The case is now expected to be formally sent to British Home Secretary Priti Patil, who will decide whether to grant the extradition. And a major police chief's organization is throwing its support behind President Biden's nominee to the Supreme Court, Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson. They wrote that because Judge Jackson has several family members in law enforcement, she would understand, quote, the challenges and complexities confronting the policing profession. 
Today's episode of Politico Dispatch included music composed by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Be sure to follow Politico Dispatch if you haven't yet, and if you can, leave us a rating and review. It helps more people find the show. I'm Annie Reese. Thanks so much for listening.